Welcome to the My Faith Votes podcast. I'm Megan West. On today's episode, we talk with Pastor Jack Hibbs. He's the senior pastor at Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills, California. And in this fascinating discussion, we talk about First Amendment rights for churches and why we need to keep church essential today. we couldn't think of a better person to just kind of navigate everything that's going on right now with churches and with the state of our country than our good friend, Pastor Jack Hibbs. Pastor Hibbs is the senior pastor at Calvary Chapel in Chino Hills, California, and you may know him from his radio show, watch his teachings online. It's real life with jackhibbs.com that you can look that up and listen to just a lot of great information and one of the things we love about Pastor Hibbs is that he brings biblical truth to real life applications and does it so well with even the controversial issues that we're facing in our in our nation today. And so you can even check out our website. We've got a lot of different uh, um, kind of topics that we talk about and Pastor Hibbs has sp spoken into those. So Pastor Hibbs, thanks for joining us tonight. We know you are crazy busy in California with so much going on. So thank you for taking a few minutes to be with us tonight. Oh, Megan, listen, it's my pleasure to be with you guys again. And uh, yeah, California, I tell you what, it is dynamic and yeah. we are choosing, we are absolutely hanging on to the, the, the steadfastness of God's mm -hmm. word because it's certainly not coming out of our government and our leadership. Mm -hmm. Tremendous confusion, uh, tremendous um, really uh, fear being promoted rather than calmed. So this is a great time for the church. It's a great time for us to have our discussion, especially in light of the fact that uh, voting is so key yeah. in making a change for what's right. I think everybody should be waking up to that realization now more than ever. And I think they are because finally people are seeing, wow, there's an impact as far as who my local leaders are and how I'm surviving the pandemic in my state because every state's very different. And it kind of highlights what's going on with the local leadership. And sadly, that's where the lowest voter turnout is. So it's a it's a push to be engaged and involved. But the last time you and I talked was in person in the front two rows of your church, your beautiful church building. And we were talking just a lot about what's going on in our society. I don't think we would have ever imagined right. that this is where we would be um, nine months ago when you and I sat down at your church. But tell us what's happening right now, because Sunday is a very significant day for the church, particularly in California. Kind of walk us back what's been happening over the last couple of weeks. Well, it's absolutely amazing, Megan. And um, I, I just want to stress as I begin to walk through this, just the leadership of God. Hmm. And I don't want to sound like a pastor talking Christianese right now, but it's, it's true. God's goodness. Here's what happened. Megan, as soon as the shutdown happened, the question in my mind was, when are we going to reopen? Uh, when we first heard from uh, our local government, they wanted to shut down immediately. And I didn't do that. I didn't do that until President Trump had asked us for 15 days. And so I, I, I did that. We obeyed for 15 days. And then he asked, if, asked us for another set of 15 days. We did that. Then jurisdiction was handed over to our governors. And Governor Newsom in California just doubled down hard. And um, and not only removed the church from essential, but he didn't even place it in a category of when to open. So we've literally, physically, 
contacted the governor's office early on, and we kept asking him, when are you going to place the church in what category? He refused to answer that. So we began as a church uh, staff to fast and to pray. And I began privately to study the book of Ezra and Nehemiah because it wasn't if we open up, but when we open up. How to do that from the word of God. On April 26th, I felt strong impression upon my heart. Really, really odd. May 31st, just May 31st. I don't even know what that meant. And I looked on a calendar and it was a Sunday. And I thought, God, are you telling me May 31st if you are? That's a long way away. I don't want to wait that long. But I'll wait if it's you. But you got to confirm it to me. And I didn't tell my wife. I told nobody. I asked God to speak to me. Pastors began to call me up and down the state and say, Pastor Jack, we feel accountable to you. And uh, we want to let you know that we've been praying about opening up. Well, and all of us came together. We have a we have a date. We want to know what you think about it. I said, what's the date? And they said, May 31st. And I said, why did you pick that day? And now I didn't know this, Megan, at the time. They told me, it's Pentecost Sunday. And I said, the reason why I asked you guys is on May 26th. In fact, the very laptop, Megan, I'm talking to you on right here in the bottom right-hand side. On April 26th, I grabbed a Sharpie and I wrote May 31st on my Apple, my laptop. And it's forever there because God had spoken so clearly. So we were moving that in that direction. What I did is I went public and I invited pastors in the state of California to consider, pray about, if God would have you open up your church on May 31st, Pentecost Sunday, because it's a great day to open the church. I have a hard time personally. I'm, I don't know if closing the church was something I should have done in the first place. Uh, even though we reached literally a million people a month, I just don't feel right about having closed the doors. I tell you what, I'll never close the doors again, no matter what comes. But having said that, Megan, we've got over 1,500 pastors that have signed on to join us on Sunday morning, May 31st, up and down the state. So, and just on Monday, the governor technically lifted the restrictions, deeming the church, I guess, didn't even deem it essentially. He just said they could open. But there's a lot that goes along with that. Explain what your church has to do in order to open on Sunday. Yeah. First of all, remember, a lot of your viewers may not know this, but President Trump on Thursday, by the way, I had the high privilege of being just a four with four, three other gentlemen uh, in a conference call with Attorney General Barr and Homeland Security Acting uh, Secretary Wolf. And as we were discussing the opening of church and Barr was telling us on the First Amendment uh, rights that protect the church, remarkably, President Trump dropped in on that call. We completely did not expect him. And you all, you know now, Friday, his announcement that he went to the Rose Garden and then also to the press booth and he announced that he wanted all churches in America to open up. And he said, quote, open up now. Mm -hmm. And if governors in any way resisted that, they would hear from him. And that was very well strategically planned, by the way. How the, how the president was going to say it, A.G. Barr had, had announced to us what they were going to do. It was very well orchestrated. It worked perfectly. Remember, Newsom had no plan, but Friday evening after Trump's announcement, Newsom said, I'll release my plan on Monday, which tells me somebody worked overtime in the governor's office all weekend long, to come out with a plan that actually insulted the church that the church would be, according to Governor Newsom, no more than 100 people. Newsom knows that some of the biggest churches in America are in Southern California. He knows that Southern California was the birthplace and churches were heavily involved in his recall effort. 
it's not into his interest to open up church. Having said that, Megan, we have completely, I didn't even know this technology existed. We hired a company. We completely decontaminated our facilities. That decontaminant that they use, they fog the buildings inside, lasts for 30 days. They use it in hospitals. It's a $50,000 procedure. That's not cheap. That's how much we've gone to protecting people. Family units together, six feet apart from others. We have over 250 large vinyl uh, stickers that are on the ground where people will join us outside. Thank God we live in Southern California. The weather's amazing, and we will have massive seating outdoors and on our green, the, the, the lawn area. So we will have our actual, even though with all the spacing, we're still going to have uh, uh, 3,000 people per service. We can have that easily. Uh, what we're doing, though, to be safe is we are still holding back on children's ministry. Kids will be with parents. And um, our county lifted the restriction on masks. So you don't have to wear a mask, but we're encouraging people, if they feel comfortable, wear a mask. If you're sick, even if you think you have allergies, stay home. Join us online. But we have gone beyond to create what we believe is the safest environment. Now, granted, we will be violating the 100 people uh, rule. But uh, quite frankly, it's, it's Governor Newsom, not Pastor Newsom. Right. Well, and I just want to challenge you a little bit, just because we hear this so often at My Faith Votes, um, people saying, you know, we need to respect our government, our government, and they have set these guidelines in place. So let's just let them decide when church opens. And we've gotten a lot of response for that. And it seems to be creating a pretty divisive rift, even within the church, as far as church opening up or people remaining safe until the government says we can't. Yeah. How do you speak to those people who have those opinions? Yeah, first of all, I'm very impressed with their level of trust in their government, which is remarkable. You're asking someone uh, as a governor, at least in this state, an ungodly governor, who is now has been handed the keys to the kingdom, so to speak, and will determine himself when it's safe. Now, our governor said in the initial inquiry from us, he said, I'll, I'll consider the church in three to six months from now. So we pulled out our calendars, and that's right in the next season of flu, of the flu season, which means he's, he didn't never intended to open it up. So we've got pastors who will not register people to vote. They will not speak or preach on the relevant issues of their congregants' life and how a biblical worldview plays into their voting, plays into their daily living, plays into the politics around them. We've got pastors who will not address that, but all of a sudden, those very same pastors are have sworn an oath to obey the government and to become very political by saying our governor is over the church. We obeyed our president for 15 days. We obeyed our president for another 15 days in light of Romans chapter 13. We obeyed our governor for almost two months. And when we found out that he has no intentions to open up church as church was. I refuse to hand over the authority of the church that isn't even mine. It's Jesus's. I'm only a sheepdog in his kingdom. And I don't believe a pastor has the authority to then say that the governor will say when their church ought to open. 
I completely disagree with someone's view on that. That's look, that's their opinion. I just know this. Jesus said, I've set before you an open door that no man can shut. Revelation chapter three. We do not have the authority to shut the doors of the church. And in fact, now we know the science is telling us that all the experts had it wrong. And so I'm very opinionated on that, but I believe I have a strong biblical view uh, th that can be backed up. Well, and we are trying to speak into that as well as My Faith Votes. And something we just started this past week is a campaign called Keep Church Essential because of our First Amendment rights. Yes, we need to be safe, but God ordained the church. And as Hebrews said, we need to be meeting together um, because that's yes. our call as Christians. Yes, we can be the church out in the community, but we've got to be gathered, be allowed to gather in our country. So people can go to keepchurchessential.org and that's a very simple tool for you to be able to reach your governor. We've created a form letter for you to send to them. Maybe your governor's already opened up your state, but there's plenty who haven't, but you can still send a message to your governor to say church needs to be kept essential because goodness, what happens down the road if we have another crisis? And then what is the government gonna do? When are they gonna say the church has to close again? And that's our concern at My Faith Votes as well. Maybe you can speak into that for a moment. Yeah, first of all, Megan, there will be a crisis. There's gonna be another crisis. This was not the end of the crisis. Mm -hmm. In fact, the next crisis is the next fallout or the next wave of coronavirus is not a fever. It's not a cough. We are now entering into the second phase of the coronavirus, which is massive economic implosion, which will manifest, the effects will be manifested in a radical increase of suicide. When you tell the church to stay home, where do we lay hands on the sick? We were told as pastors, you can't go to the hospital because one of your congregants is dying from a heart attack or from a brain tumor, or from cancer. Sorry, you can't go in there. Literally, where did that edict come from? How did our sacerdotal rights as a minister become suspended? Even, listen, we have a constitution that defends our ability to minister. Listen, with all due respect, well, Walmart and Costco, which I don't know in your town, but here it's business as normal in my town at Costco. Yeah. Did you know that their right to assemble is not protected by the First Amendment, but church is? Mm. And yet in California, the church is the one that is being left in the dust. And I refuse to let that happen to the Church of Jesus Christ in California. And so uh, we should be the safest people on the planet because we love our people the most. We're the ones that are to uh, assemble. You mentioned, you referenced Hebrews 10, 25, that we're not to forsake the assembling together. People, listen, pastors have told me, ah, but Hebrews 10.25 did not take into account a pandemic. I was shocked by that comment. That's to insinuate that the God of the Bible got blindsided by a pandemic. There's going to be worse things. There's going to be wars, rumors of wars, Jesus said, earthquakes, more sickness. The church is needed more in times of crisis, not less. And I think the church in California, those that are listening, and the citizens that are listening, I think they've caught on. There's been a tremendous swell of people, listen, contacting us, streaming. Megan, we went from 50,000 people a Sunday on viewing to 300,000 people a Sunday viewing from the pandemic. What does that mean? People were scared. People wanted truth. 
our church exploded. Pastors have told me, you don't need to meet in person. We're reaching more people online. That's not church. That's teaching online. You've got to hug people, pray with people, cry with people. You've got to deal with the parking lot. You got to you got to be people. You got to be life. And church is to meet together. And I'll just rest this on this case with this argument. What about the church in North Korea that meets secretly? They risk their lives to come together. What about the church in China, the real church that risks its life to meet? In Vietnam, they risk their life to meet to be church. We've got pastors in the West saying, we don't need to meet. I cannot even fathom, nor do I believe our church fathers can wrap their heart and mind around that. Well, we could talk to you forever and you have such great wisdom. And I don't want to keep you because I know you're preparing for Sunday. But just before we close out our time, just thank you for speaking into being essential and the church being essential. And and we love that we can tie in our faith and live that out in the public square. And so that's part of the mission at My Faith Votes is just to get Christians off the sideline into action and living out our faith. And one of the ways we need to be doing that is with our local, our state and governments. This is an election year. This is vital. And so we need to be calling people to action as well. But Pastor Hibbs, I would just ask that you end our time in prayer, um, praying for the church, but also just, you know, with the state of the nation, especially tonight with what's going on in Minnesota yep. and in other large cities across the nation, just praying for a spirit of unity. I know the devil is trying to kill, steal, and destroy, and this is a moment so would you just pray for that as well as we end our time together? Uh, Megan, I would love to. Let's pray together. Mm-hmm. Father, we ask you, Lord, now we come in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Mm-hmm. We are so thankful, Lord, that you, in your manifestation to us, your incarnation, that you died on the cross for our sins and rose again from the dead, that we, not, not, that we might not only have the forgiveness of sins, but eternal life. Jesus, you said that you have come to bring us peace. Lord, our nation needs peace tonight. We pray that you would descend upon this nation because you love it and you created it. Lord, we're being pulled apart at the seams. There are people that have agendas. There are uh, nefarious plans afoot. But greater are you, Lord, than that which is in the world. We pray, Lord, for unity, but we must be careful regarding unity We pray that unity would be around the truth. We pray for that your truth would prevail. We pray for the Minneapolis area. We we pray, Lord, for Minnesota. We pray, Father, for the riots that are breaking out in other cities and many locations anticipating Friday and Saturday night to be not good. We pray that your Holy Spirit would send revival to the church and salvation to the lost. Father, we know that our president is under attack. We know that there are things in play to undermine and to derail civility in our nation. And so, Father, we pray right now that you'd heal us from this virus and that you'd also maybe heal us, Lord, from bad ideas. Heal us, Lord, from bad leadership. May people who know you, according to Proverbs 29.2, may they get involved, not only voting, but even running for office. You've handed us the keys to a republic, and it's given to us as a gift. May we manage it in a righteous way. And then finally, Lord, bless Megan and the entire team. 
at this wonderful movement that they've started. Lord, it's so needed in our nation. Bless them in every state and all that they put their hands to do. Lord, please bless America. Send healing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much, Pastor Hibbs. Well, we are praying for you. We're praying for your church and all the churches that are gathering this coming Sunday, especially in California. And we just appreciate your time tonight. So thank you so much. Thanks to everybody for watching. Any final words? No, I, I'm just grateful to all of you. And the greatest thing we can do is get engaged and take back our nation for what is good. Amen. Well, God bless. Have a great evening and God bless everybody. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this fascinating conversation with Pastor Jack Hibbs. Now, more than ever, the church needs to be engaged in the public square. We've created resources for you to be able to equip and motivate your congregation to vote. Visit ourchurchvotes.org to receive resources and toolkits to keep your church engaged. Again, visit ourchurchvotes.org today.